Welcome to the Renew Church Podcast, where we have honest and authentic conversations around Jesus and His mission. Uh, my name is Eric. I am the host, and I am joined in the studio with my esteemed colleague and co-host, Mr. Pastor Reverend Andrew Wood. Do you have, does anybody call you Reverend? No, but one time when I was getting on a flight with someone, you can actually choose your your what is it prefix? Prefix. Yeah. Is that what or you call I it? think it's called? I'm good a, at English. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I chose I think it has a different name. Rabbi. Rabbi? Yeah. Huh. Is that That's, offensive? Yeah, that seems offensive. No, a rabbi is like a guy who a other teacher? people, he's a teacher of the scriptures, right? Yeah. So. But no no group has ever I called rabbi, you rabbi. And then somebody else who I was flying with um, called himself reverend. So we were rabbi and reverend. And the ladies at the checkout counter referred to us as Rabbi Andrew and Reverend Tiago. Yeah, it was awesome. Nice. That's interesting. So yes, I guess. <laughs> you can let us know in the comments. I get if that was a lot. That was offensive. I used to get, there was a woman at my church uh, back home that called me father. Yeah, father? Yeah, Minister lot. is probably the most common, right? Because that's people just, that's very general, right? So yeah. people go, I don't know what to call you. It's weird. But I'll call you minister. Yeah, yeah and I guess that's good. Well, mm -hmm. anyway, uh, we are here today. We're, we're excited and, uh, 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 you know, just kind of looking forward to this podcast. We actually tried this podcast once already. And uh, we realized pretty quickly that um, one episode was not going to be enough. So this is our first ever repeat, but it's also our first ever multi-segment podcast topic that we're going right. to talk about. Um, and so I'm really excited. I hope you are too. I hope Part you, one. yeah, listeners at home are excited as well. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to jump in. Um, so one of the things, since you're a, a, a rabbi, apparently... <laughs> Um, as a teacher, that's what the word means. As a teacher of the scripture, um, you know, like what what are the kind of things that uh, that you come across in in your profession mm -hmm. that uh, that kind of aggravate you? I suppose as a as a teacher of of God's word, uh, we're called to make disciples. We're called to to teach the scripture, um, and we hear something a lot. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. We hear something a lot as pastors, and it drives us nuts. Yeah. What is that thing? That, that thing that we hear mostly from people in the church that drives us nuts is um, this text or scripture or whatever it is, this verse means this to me. Means blah, blah, blah to me. To me. To me, to me? when you're in a Bible study yeah. and you're reading it and somebody says, this is what it means to me. And then someone says, to me, this is actually what it means. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. drives me nuts. Now, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes we don't really say anything. Uh, yeah, because we're really nice. Because we're nice, yeah, and 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 that's one of the things. And and maybe even some of you out there would be like, I don't know why he's where he's even going with this. Right, right. That's what I'm I'm guessing our listener is hearing right now. Well, yeah, because I think most people do it and then they hear it and they don't think anything of it because no. they think that's what you're asking me to do when we're sitting in a Bible study. You're asking me to tell you what I think it means to me. Right. And the reality is that's actually not There's what some... we're asking. Sometimes we ask poorly, and that's what people think you're asking, but that's actually not really what we should be asking. Yeah. And, and so for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about a subject uh, that deals with our pet, this pet peeve, I suppose, yeah. or, or, or really it's the, the conversation surrounding it. And that is uh, the idea of hermeneutics. Yeah. Right? Hermeneutics. Uh, hermeneutics is, is, is a big word for a pretty, pretty easy uh, uh, thing to explain. Yeah. What, what, what is hermeneutics? Uh, well, the word actually comes from Hermes, the uh, pagan god uh, who was a messenger yeah. of the gods. 
And so uh, that's where you get Hermes from. And so hermeneutics is being able to communicate the message of God. Yeah. But uh, in modern day, the way we use it is uh, the art and the science of interpreting the Bible correctly. Yeah. 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 So the art and science. Now, that, that's a weird thing, too. I, I think maybe if you've taken some Bible courses or you're somewhat academic, you might understand sort of the, um, the, the tension between art and science and why we say that. Uh, but for, for us, let's just pretend that, that we don't know kind of what you mean by the art and science of biblical interpretation. Why art and science? Why, why those kind of two competing ideas? Yeah, I would say the science of it is that there are tools that... Uh, we should all use, and mm -hmm. they're kind of they are formulaic in some way. Right. So there's formulas like the science behind it uh, that you don't necessarily get to break from. You don't just make those things up. They work. There's a reason why they work. They have been developed over years, and so that's the science piece of it. But the art is knowing when to apply which tools, mm -hmm. and that uh, that takes a certain level of expertise and skill and experience to be able to do well. Right. Yeah. Most people get things wrong because they're uh, they might have learned a tool, but they're applying it to a wrong circumstance. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and we'll actually get to uh, a kind of the other side of our pet peeve, which because it's a pet peeve that, that lands on sort of both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And really, really, uh, the this what this passage means to me statement uh, typically is people who land on the art side of, of biblical interpretation. They're... They're very free with their interpretations and with their, there's not a lot of form and, and there's not a lot of structure behind why they're interpreting these ideas the way they, they are. Subjective or relative. That's right. Yeah, right. And, and then the postmodern art is all subjective and relative, whatever it means to you. Exactly. It's it interpretation, means, right? interpretive and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then the other side of it, there, there, there's people who um, become so hyper literal and so it says this, therefore, black and white, there is no room, there is no nuance or, or anything. And, and that also is uh, a poor handling of the scripture as well, yeah. which drives us nuts, to be yeah. honest, right? Um, but hermeneutics is really, really important. So for, for, for our listeners, uh, I'm, I'm anticipating that, that people are, are all over the place in their familiarity with the Bible. Yeah. Some people listening might be very, very new. Some people may have been Christians for a really long time. And uh, some Christians may have like, you know, may know twice as much as we do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we're hoping to kind of discuss this topic in a way that, that uh, challenges people who may be set in their ways or gives people um, some tools to, to begin this journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so over the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to kind of hit both of those sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually really excited and about it's it. Really, so. it's, um, some, some people may have already written us off because they're like, that's too big of a word. That's your job. That's not my job, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking, okay, well, you need to know that because you're Bible teachers and you study these things and you do it for a living. I don't need to know that. But that's not actually a good way to think about it um, because really what we're talking about is ways that you can l understand what the Bible actually means better. Yeah. And anybody who is a Christian, a follower of Jesus, who also trusts in the authority of the Bible, you believe in some way it's inspired and that it's from God mm -hmm. and you're supposed to learn from it, um, you're practicing hermeneutics all the time. You just might be doing it poorly. So it actually, yeah. it's not just for scholars or Bible teachers or pastors. It's actually for everybody who actually wants to go to the Bible, read it, and know what it actually means. Right. Yeah. That's really good. So let's take a 30,000, let's like zoom up in the air a little bit, 30,000 foot view, the scripture. Why is it so hard to study the scripture? What, what do you think that most people deal with when they approach the scripture for the first time? 
Well, so most people, uh, when you're most of the time when you're going to a text, a, co a, yeah. a single text, a coherent text, uh, you're talking about a work, a, a literary work that was uh, formulated by maybe one or two or a few s uh, minds right. uh, in a very specific period of time with one genre or one style of writing, right? Yeah. Um, but the Bible is actually a text that was formulated over 1,500 years. Right. Through so, so what you're saying is like, when you read Harry Potter, you know that it's a fantasy young adult novel. Yes. Yep. And so that's a, a, a genre that when we go to the library, when we think of a book, we're getting one book by one author in one genre. Yeah, and we know when the author wrote these things, so we understand yeah. the language they were using, and, and they wrote it for their immediate audience to read. Right. Right. So the audience who could read Harry Potter the best are the ones who read it when J.K. Rowling wrote it. Yeah. Because the references in there, the language that was used there, like she obviously is creating a world, but she's creating a world for, I don't know when the first Harry Potter came out, 2000 or something 90s. like that? No, the 90s, but, late 90s. But it was for those people, to, for us to be able to understand, right? So that's the most obvious to them, right? The further we, uh, removed we get from Harry Potter uh, or right. the original uh, authorship of it, yeah. the harder it is for generations 100 years from now to read Harry right. Potter and totally understand all the references and the language that's used because that changes over time. Yeah, and that's why like Beowulf is really hard to for us. So yeah. really there's a lot oh, of topics. Beowulf yeah. is like it's kind of hard to digest, and one of the reasons is because it's written. Uh, it's not originally English. I think it's old English, or or maybe yeah, I don't maybe some Gothic. I don't even I don't even know. But the, right. the point is, is that it's it's been so long that we've lost uh, sort of some of that that. Uh, uh, the intuition that helps us to read it with the proper, uh, the, the author's proper intent. Yep, yep. Okay. So, so we have that. So when we're reading something today, we, we know a lot about it before we even open the book. Yeah. There's so much context we already have because we're, we're swimming in the culture, right? right? So we are the culture of the people writing it for the most part, if it's written in this part of the world, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's things you don't have to explain necessarily because we all understand it because we live it. Right. And so that, so the counter is, is that when we approach the scripture, when we approach the wow, approach the sixty-six books that make up our Bible, mm -hmm. uh, we're faced with some challenges. Yeah. So one of the challenges is that we're not just um, we're not just having to go back in time to one point in history and understand it, right? Like if we, you know, there's certain books in the New Testament that were written in the first century. Right. And so it's hard enough for us to transport ourselves to a first century Jewish lifestyle and culture. That's yeah. very hard to do well and understand all the nuances, all the cultural nuances, the language, understand what was happening politically at the time, mm -hmm. what their lifestyle was like, right? Yeah. So that's very difficult. Now, the Bible's not just written in the first century. It's right. actually 1,500 years of literature that traces all through Israel's history. Mm -hmm. uh, and f according to some people, even predates it, right? So, so you're not you're not talking about one point in history. You're talking about you know the latest point in history in the New Testament is the first century, late first right. century, yeah, right. The earliest point in 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 history, at least that that the literature yeah. was penned, is 1500 years before that, yeah. Right? And we're talking all through where it's. I mean, you can imagine what happens in 1500 years, right? Um, in a world that we're not familiar with at all, yeah. languages we're not familiar with, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not we're not we don't we're not born in that and technology that's totally pre what we're living with right so right. 
So you're having to apply those tools, but then to different tools to so many different eras, and you're having to learn totally new things about different contexts because it was written 200 years earlier, 300 right. years earlier in this part of the world compared right. to this part of the world. Yeah. Different you know, languages. 800 at years. Times. Yeah, different languages. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's really, that's why it's, it's very difficult. It's very complex. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, so here's a, here's a brainiac tidbit just for our, our uh, seasoned Bible veterans. Uh, just your quick take. Uh, was the Pentateuch written first or Job? A lot of people say Job might have been written first. Job's the earliest, yeah. For sure, yeah. So you're you're down with that? I think I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, just a quick take. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> something did. for you to Google. But if honestly, you're yeah, curious. people disagree about that yeah. and uh, and disagree about who wrote the <laughs> right. Pentateuch, right? Right. And, you know, yeah. So the Pentateuch being the first five books of the Scripture, yes. and that and that brings me to another thing. It's not just his, historicity and like where it lands on the timeline mm-hmm. of civilization. Uh, they're they're also written for different purposes. They're written in, like we said, different languages. They're written by different authors. And, and, uh, and so there's a lot that's wrapped up in this. And one of the m- most helpful things that I ever was told is that, um, or, or was reminded of, I suppose, I s- somewhat knew it intuitively, but that really what the Bible is, is a, a, a small library. Yes. It's a small library uh, that is trying to tell a, a much grander story from many perspectives. Yeah. And so that helps us to to sort of understand the difference, like why Leviticus is so hard to read, mm-hmm. and why you know John. We love the Gospel of John, or we love the gospel, or the uh, the the Psalms, for instance, or or Proverbs feels very different. You know, like there's mm-hmm. all these things that we can read. Um, so so we have books that are written at different times in life, uh, in in history. We have books that are written for different purposes. Mm-hmm. We have books that are written in different genre. Can you talk about? Uh, uh, genre a little bit and just kind of why that's important to at least be aware of? Yeah, I think so. Uh, what, what, something you'll notice the deeper you get into this, the, the, um, I think most of people, most people's disagreements on uh, the meaning of any particular text, uh, a lot of the times, most of the time, actually comes down to uh, what they decide or they believe the genre of that text is, right? Yeah. And a simple example is um, you apply a different set of tools to reading a historical narrative narrative than you do to reading an ancient poem, right? right? And, and it's, it's very obvious, right? A historical narrative, your, your assumption is that it's communicating something that really happened in a real time in history uh, with real people, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's, so you use different tools to understand what the meaning of that is. Uh, you got to figure out what actually happened and then what meaning it provides for um, for the church, for the life, whatever. But then for a poem, it's different, right? right. A poem, like you, the assumption isn't that this thing actually happened. The 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 assumption is that there's there's a there's a deeper meaning here. We're supposed to understand. There's right. a there's a relational or a spiritual um, you know metaphor happening here that we're supposed to dig out. Yeah. And so it's just and when you have two different genres, you you use different tools. You don't just use the same set of tools. Mm-hmm. And one problem, one side of the spectrum uh, has has a big problem with just applying the same tools to all of it when it's clear. Clearly not all mm. the same thing. It's, cl- it's clearly not right. So you can run into problems by, by, by using the same tools uh, to interpret different genres, totally different right. genres. And it's obvious to us, right? Like you listen to a song, yeah, and you're not assuming that everything that's being said is 
is happen literally and is to be understood literally, right? Right. You listen to stand-up comedy, and if you listen to stand-up comedy, you know, like, yeah. I mean, maybe you don't you know. Should, well, culturally, but, it's intuitive for us. Yes. That's what's really hard about it, is that culturally, we, we don't really consciously think about that. Right. We just know that it's true. You, can, you know when something's alliteration. You know and when you, something's yeah. metaphor. You know when something's supposed to be... Similarly, like or, all the poetry terms, right? You know, you kind of can feel that outer sense, or, or the comedy or the fun is in the not sure. Yeah, right. That's like what's so good about good stand-up is like, did that actually happen? Probably not. There's something inside of you saying yeah. like, that's a little extreme. That's an exaggeration. Right. But picturing it, you're like, oh, that would be hilarious or, if it did. Or right? even so. I was even just thinking about alluding to current events. You know, if if a stand-up comedian goes, this is going to be huge, and like, you know, you right. immediately know who he's talking totally. about. Totally. Yeah. But if you were 300 years removed from the experience of, of our current events, you have no idea yeah, what that. Like, why is he saying Why is that? this huge? Yeah. And why does that matter? Exactly. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And so there's things about language and about culture that need to be taken into account. Totally. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, why is it so hard? So those are just a a short list, obviously, of 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 challenges. There's a lot of challenges with the scripture. Um, but why uh, why do people find it? difficult. I guess I'm going after something, so maybe I should just talk about just it. Go for it. Um, so one of the, the other things that I think is immediately difficult about studying the scripture is that it's just big. Mm -hmm. It's a really big book. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, in an age where, you know, too long did not read, you know, like is a, a real thing. Like if your text message is like more than three lines, I, I probably didn't read it very right. carefully. You know, I'm like, oh, is there anything I need to know? And then I just skip it. It's not entirely true, especially if it's from my wife. I read all of your texts, sweetheart. <laughs> all of them. Anyway, uh, but, but like we, we find it very intimidating to actually jump in and, and read the, the content in its entirety. Yep. Uh, even if you split it up by book, like, you know, if you're going to digest the whole book of Isaiah... Is fifty some almost six well sixty chapters or something like that. I don't even know. There's a lot of a lot of chapters in that book. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff that again culturally is hard for us to navigate through. And so not only is it big, but it feels at times like we're kind of on this uphill climb mm -hmm. uh, because it's hitting us in such a different um, cultural moment. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to acknowledge. Uh, now. If you're if you find that to be kind of one of the the hardest pieces of it, what's great is that we have a lot of tools that can help us. Uh, which I don't want to go into because we're going to yeah. talk about yeah. practical tools next week. But but there's a lot of tools that can help us to work through that, right? Yeah. Um, and so what I what I'd like for you to just talk about uh, for a second is is just what's the what's the golden nugget at the end? Mm. What's the reason why? Uh, your average Joe should do the work and actually study the scripture the way uh, that we're describing? Well, um, I think if we, as, as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, we believe that there's something authoritative about the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. We believe that there's something unique, there's something inspired about it. At least that's what we believe. Yeah. Now, there's some academics who don't believe that, and then, and then it really doesn't have the same impact on their life. But we believe that, yeah. and therefore, when we go into it, we should want to know what it actually says. Mm. And uh, in order to know what it actually says, we need to understand uh, two things, actually. There's, like, there's two things that play with the Bible. There's the author's intent... 
mm-hmm. which is the, the person who actually wrote it, right? Like some, some person in real time, in a real point in history, or multiple people, right, right. actually wrote those words down. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to understand what it actually meant, then you have to understand as closely as you possibly can right. what that author actually meant. Yeah. Otherwise, you're actually going to miss the meaning. Right. But with the Bible, it's even more complex because there's the there's the there's the the meta meaning to it, right? There's yeah. there's the there's the human author, and God's meaning isn't usually different than the human author's meaning in the text, right? Because right. that's confusing. <laughs> but at the same time, we believe that the book itself was authored by God in some in, yeah. in, inspirational, authoritative, miraculous way that God guided it right, right. So, so yeah let me just pa- yeah. pause you there for a second because i just want to make it clear uh an orthodox uh uh christian a protestant christian i would say is pro- probably we can limit it to there which is kind of our tribe um uh we would believe that the the bible was inspired by the holy spirit in other words the the guy writing it down um was inspired and and moved somehow by the spirit uh, to be guided in what to say, um, and and there's there's a lot of there's that's a broad the, d- debate. Yeah. But there's debate about the mechanism of right. The inspiration, right? Like was was he being given specific words by yeah, God possessed to write, and just or was there some God, ghost holding his hand and yeah. like, you know like and then a lot of people <laughs> think like God inspired the events that surrounded right. that led him to write like so there's there's a whole bunch of nuances to it means. and complexity to it but there is a there's a general like agreement fundamental close presupposition mm-hmm. that that God ordained this and that he was a part of it and he wanted it to be written the yeah. way it was yeah and and it's and what we have is enough and necessary yeah. for us to live in accordance with what he wants us right and so the language we often would use is like in its original uh, uh, pet, like as it was originally written, uh, the 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 uh, book or letter or whatever it was is God's words. It's his authoritative words. His word. authoritative yes. words. Yep. And so, and that's an important distinction mm-hmm. uh, because when you have lots of people influencing a collection of books over a long period of time, um, there can be you could experience drift. You would assume that there's a lot of of, of drift in uh, message or, mm-hmm. or purpose or whatever that, mm-hmm. that is. And, and we would say that, that there are, there's a broad realm of what the scripture says. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that the scripture says, but they all work in harmony together uh, to achieve one continuous story yeah. throughout. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's important for, for our listeners to yeah. hear yeah. Um, and, and that sort of thing. So, so, uh, take me back to uh, uh, kind of we're going after the golden nugget, right? So like why we why would we invest all this time and energy into um, this study in order to figure out, uh, you know, uh, to perform hermeneutics? Like why would we do that? Because if we want, if we follow God and we believe that this, the Bible is kind of a manual he's given us to tell us how we're supposed to live in order to follow him. Um, then we ought to know what it actually says and what the actual meaning of it is, certain parts of it is, so that we can correctly follow God. Right. That's, that's the goal. And, and that's a collective effort. That's a collective human. That's a collective church effort. That's, we, we've been on that. We've been working on that for thousands of years, and we continue to work on that. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's this collective effort to, for us to all understand how God says, who God says he is, right? We mm-hmm. want to believe rightly about the nature of God. We want to right. think correctly about God and then think correctly about 
us and who that makes us. And, and, then, and then that transpires into how we ought to live, right? Yeah. So we're trying to do that. And at the same time, the reason we continue to do that, you'd think like, oh, didn't one group of people figure, figure that out, out at one point in time, right? <laughs> Probably. And the, and the, well, so that's the thing. Yeah. That, that, and, that's, and it's important to read church history mm-hmm. because there have been brilliant people for... Yeah a lot of years who have been trying to do the same thing yeah. and uh, in a lot of ways think better than us or have different, had different time yeah. and capacity to think about things in a different way. But, but we have to continue to do that because we live in a new day and age. We yeah. live in a new time. We live in a new era. We live in a new generation. And so that's the contextualization piece. And so th- what we're trying to do is we're trying to, based on all the information we have available to us, yeah. know what the meaning is. And then the application or the contextualization is saying, okay, here's what it means. So this is what it means about the nature and character of God. Here's what it means about the nature and character of us. Here's what it means about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live. And then the application and contextualization is then like, what do I do when I wake up tomorrow? Right. So that's and, and so that actually, that all of that is preamble to why the, what this passage meant to me irks us yes. as Bible teachers is because when you when you take a verse and you ignore all of the stuff that we just described and you place application on something that you're that you're ignorant of or or you're choosing to ignore mm-hmm. um, which which does happen a lot a lot yep um, that that you're you're kind of you're it's mishandling the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's it's not doing uh, what you should, right? And 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 so it causes a lot of problems. It does a lot of confusion, and and not only for individuals but also for whole churches, whole whole uh, uh, um, what's the word? Man. Movements, yeah. But what's the word? Denominations. Uh, denominations. Yep. That's what yeah, I was yeah. going for. Yeah. Right. It, it it makes a lot of problems when people don't properly uh, consider, handle, interpret. And, and kind of perform these things. And, and, and here's the thing is that, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later too, yeah. but um, you, can talk, you can come to very different conclusions and be uh, within the, the guardrails of proper hermeneutics yep. and come to very, very different conclusions. Yep. And then that's great. That's, that's it happens, yeah. Okay, because you are willing to do the work. You are willing to, to, to back up your claim, your interpretation with uh, the hard work that comes with with doing proper hermeneutics, yeah, right? That happens all the time. Yeah. And that's okay. And you can still work alongside people like yeah. that, especially if you understand kind of what path they took to get there. Right? right. And most of the time when you come to a different interpretation or a different conclusion, you just you guys happen to think a little bit differently at the beginning of the journey. And yeah. then so you kind of just took different paths, right? And so yeah. like you're here and I'm here and and both of you can't be right. 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 Like so that's that's important I think to share with our yeah. listeners is that when we're talking author's intent, uh, you yeah. can't have two different different meanings right. and for them to actually both be right, right? That, that's a law of non-contradiction. If mm-hmm. you say it means this and I say it means this and they're not the same, either both of you are wrong, which is most likely the scenario, <laughs> yeah. um, or one of you is right and one of you is wrong. You're both not right, right mm-hmm. which is where humility comes in, right? Yep. That's where in, in the world of studying the Bible and hermeneutics, you really have to come to it with a lot of humility and go, great men have gone before me and come to different conclusions and I'm going to work at this because yeah. it's important, but... I may arrive at a different conclusion, yeah. and there's there's a pretty good chance I might be the one who's wrong about it, yeah. and that's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just was thinking, too, like, if 
if <laughs> like you and I've done a lot of biblical study, uh, you know, for our, we do this professionally, right? Or like, yeah. so this is our career, right? Um, and so we, we do a lot of that. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but uh, I was just thinking of like, how many people would cringe at what half of the, the revered church fathers <laughs> like would write down? Like if you actually read like Augustine's, you know, uh, City of God and, mm. and some of these huge things that he, you, you, you kind of, you, <laughs> you would cringe to see Isn't some of the funny, things though, that they believe. Like, right? at this point Martin history, Luther. <laughs> we do that though. We do that where it's like, yeah. you know, he's our guy if he agrees with us on this thing that we think, right? Yeah. Um, but then you, but you don't even do the work to understand oh. like, that actually doesn't align with his worldview at all. Yeah. He thinks this thing and, and you, you don't at least appear to agree with that. Yeah. So you kind of pick and it's choose like, like what you like. And we actually do that with yeah. scripture too. We do that with scripture where yeah. we, we pick and choose proof texts that bolster that position that we have. And then we'll pick and choose guys in history who have agreed with that. But then we don't right. actually, we don't read the whole thing and we don't pay attention to the whole worldview. And we don't realize like, no, actually we, there's a lot of things we may disagree on yeah. with church fathers, with C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Shockingly, if you read C.S. <laughs> Lewis theology, you might not agree with a lot yeah. of stuff, and that's that's okay. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's funny, too, when you think about it yeah, yeah. in hindsight. So, um, so I want to take us uh, uh, into, we're kind of, kind of, kind of structure the rest of our time, I think, over around, around um, a little bit of a warning, I suppose. Like, if, if you're, if you're a Christian, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, and you, you don't really have or or you don't really value this um pursuit of mm-hmm. of proper hermeneutics proper interpretation of the scripture what what happens what's the what's the uh what's the caution that that you would have for for someone who's not really willing or or able to or or pers- in their own mind not able to pursue proper hermeneutics like what what's what's the pain of it what can happen well, the pain is that you can follow somebody else down a bad path, right? Yeah. You can follow somebody else down a bad path. And I would say that the attitude that I would have if I was somebody who I was good at a whole lot of other things and I spent my time at a whole lot of other good things and I was called to a whole lot of other things, um, my encouragement and, and maybe my charge to you is you, you kind of at the end of the day have to pick to trust someone else, right? And even I'm doing that in some extent. Like there's guys I read and then there's guys I don't waste my time reading. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of picking and choosing here and there. I think you need to be broad and you need to be open. But at the end of the day, you do have to kind of pick a track that resonates with you, that you think aligns with truth and corresponds with reality. And you kind of got to live that. And for people who don't have all the time in the world, you kind of got to pick that at mm. some point. But what I caution against is, is the arrogance behind mm. it, right? Like you might be picking a track and the, the guys who you're listening to and trusting have done the work. And so they got a little bit extra arrogance because they've done the work, right? So yeah. they can say, actually, this means this and this is why and yada, 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 yada. They understand all the ins and outs and they understand the counter arguments and they still have their perspective in light of, you know, all their research and expertise and stuff, right? Yeah. So they might have an elevated level of, it may come across as arrogance, but it really just might be knowledge that right. you don't possess. Um, but following guys and their, and their arrogance in perspectives that you don't even quite understand, you haven't done the work to understand the ins and outs of, and you haven't done the work to understand counter arguments and counterpoints and other perspectives, 
that can get you into a lot of trouble because that creates tribalism, right? Right, and then the same happens in politics, yeah. where it's like you know kind of a base level of politics or economics, yeah. and then you get up on your soapbox and you say these guys are all dumb because they think this, yeah. and you're like actually they they think that, and they actually have really good reasons to think that, right? And you might disagree, but you need to kind of hold it with open hands with humility because you haven't done the work to understand right. it, right? And so and I you think come at it. With your fists up, not willing to have a conversation. Yeah, got to be open to a conversation and hold most things with an open hand, right? Yeah. What you said about about arrogance is kind of interesting. I, I think, um, you know, as Bible teachers, we it can be very frustrating to watch people who, I think a lot of times people take our humility to be ignorance. Yeah. And that... When one person, like let's say, let's say, uh, let's say you're you're teaching a class and you have a lot of into, uh, of uh, study in in this particular area, and you're but you also have humility about your perspective. Okay, mm -hmm. so you possess those two things, and somebody comes to you and has a counterpoint, uh, but a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. There's really no way for us to have a conversation. Yeah, because they're going to interpret your humility and honor of your, their perspective, even though you think it's wrong. And they're basically just going to... They write like, you off as ignorant. Right. Yeah. Do you, you experience this? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. I mean, even just in recent history, you know, people have said things like, you guys don't say these things and you don't use these words, right? Like one of the, one of the things that was brought up one time was, you know, you, get to, you don't talk about the sovereignty of God, right? Yeah. And that's because they were listening to pastors and theologians that use that language all oh. the time yeah. and use it in a way that I don't actually agree with. And I have all these reasons to not agree with the way they use that language, right. but I choose to use different language. And it's not a lack of understanding. It's actually a, it's coming from a place of understanding and choosing intentionally to not use certain language because the I don't agree with the picture it paints or the assumptions that come along with it, right? Right. But you get that all the time, right? And people think people think your silence on a certain topic or your lack of use of a certain word or your yeah. perspective of something or your avoidance of talking about something. This yeah. happens all the time. I'll bring I'll go right there. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Is that okay if I go there? Do it. This man. goes there a lot with the reform, the Calvinists and yeah. an Arminian debate, the free will and determinism debate, right? Whereas a free will people and Arminians typically talk a lot less about election and chosenness and all right. that stuff. And it's not a dodging of the scriptures, right? They're not dodging Romans 8 through 10. Right. They've actually read it. And it, from my perspective, they've read it in its proper context. And it doesn't mean the same things that all this camp is saying it means. Right. And so they don't use that language. But if you get into biblical studies for the first time and you hear these guys who are really smart and they're right. very educated and have a yeah. lot of backgrounds and know what they're talking about, use this kind of language. You think yeah. you're not using that language, so you don't understand this. You know less about the Bible than I do and my tribe does. Right. Therefore, you're ignorant. I need to go somewhere with people who are at my level of yeah. enlightenment or intelligence when that's actually not the case. A lot of times yeah. they've, they've been there and they're not there anymore. And there's good reasons why. And you should ask, yeah. right? Which is why my encouragement to people all the time is if you, if you have a concern about something, you think differently than some of your leaders and it's your renew group leader, it's your friend, it's your pastor, it's your theology yeah. friend. If you think differently than them, uh, you should probably go and have the conversation with them. If you care about them and you want to remain in community with them, yeah. if you don't want to remain in community with them, leave them alone, right? right? If you do, which is should be the case, right, most of the time, <laughs> yeah. like you should want to have these conversations and wrestle through it and you might actually find they actually have really good reasons to not say the things that you think they should say, use the language you think they should use, or, or tell everyone to believe the things you think they should tell everyone to believe. They yeah. might have a good reason for it. 
or they might not. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's awkward for us sometimes to talk about this. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's, that's why this is such a helpful, uh, doing a podcast like this is, gives us kind of a, a time to explain kind of why we feel this way. But um, yeah, like you're 100% right. Most of the time that people, um, people have a problem with the way that we do or say things, mm-hmm. uh, really, it's more of a problem of of it's it's more of a philosophical shift that happened way before, right? And that either they've ascribed themselves to a certain line of thinking, and they're kind of railroaded into a certain conclusion. Yeah, where I think some sometimes the most mature uh, interpretation of the scriptures as a whole is to not only be open to ideas, but yeah. also, and, and weigh them and consider them for real, mm-hmm. um, but, but to, to draw your own conclusions about them. Um, you know, I, like, we love our, our, our you know, predeterminism and, and election people and our Reformed brothers, yeah, and, brothers sisters. and sisters. Yeah, brothers and sisters, yeah. You know, like, we celebrate what, the, and they're doing a lot of good stuff, you know. I mean, like, they come you, to our church. I, yeah, I know some of them. Yeah, I've worked alongside exactly. some of them. Yeah, they're great, and, yeah. And, uh, and, and I would have, I included myself in their camp for many, many years, yeah, you know. And, and And so um, we, we <laughs> the ability for us to have open conversations but still unite around the mission and purpose of God mm-hmm. and the centrality of the local church mm-hmm. is extremely important. The dangers of improper hermeneutics is that you're risking a much more important thing called the the unity of the body of Christ for a very much less important thing. Mm. Are, are, there are so That's many good. question marks yep. around uh, the nuances of little tiny theological... That's why I love Paul's... Sorry, uh, let me finish my thought. There's so many question marks around the little nuances of, of little tiny theological uh, uh, slants, and, and some of them kind of extrapolate out to be big yep, theological differences, do. which yep. we can acknowledge. But there's a lot of stuff that's like, oh, no, this is like Jesus came and died for us, and you know we get to spend eternity with it. There's a lot of things that we can all agree. Pretty if you if you fly the fly the Christian banner, like mm-hmm. we're gonna find a ton of things that are really really important that we can agree on. Yeah. And then there's like a there's no two people have the exact same. When you get right down to it, no two people have the same exact theological beliefs. And so how do you mitigate and, and navigate this big thing? And one of the things is is I think that we need to use hermeneutics to unite around the things that matter the yes. most. It's good. And and stop dividing around things that don't really make that big of an end game difference. Right. You know, if you believe that I was de- predetermined to to come to faith, great. If it makes you a more effective minister of the gospel, if you make disciples better believing that, go for it. Mm-hmm. If you know you know what I'm saying and the, and the vice vice versa would be true. If it makes me to believe something different, I think that that's great. Yeah. Not not even that I think that it's acceptable. I actually think it makes us stronger. For sure. As as a a 
as the church. Sorry, I got enough. No, that's good. I, I like that you went there. I think that's important, though. The unity piece is so important. Yeah. And you know, I've I've been I've been doing this for ten years. Been studying theology for ten years and been pastoring for like whatever you called me when I was twenty year old youth director, right? Sure. Slacker. Pastor, so that's slacker. What, no, I'm just kidding. But the but the reality is like there's there's really only been a few people who have had theological concerns who I've spent time wrestling through with because it takes time it takes work yeah. we just explained why and yeah. all of those people who have committed time to wrestle through it and work through it they're either in a different place now because they feel called to it and we sent them and celebrated it yeah like we could disagree but celebrate it because we are in community we are unified we wrestle mm -hmm. through it and it's a good thing like it's a yeah. good thing to say you know what you're a brother and you feel called to this and we're not there and we're not doing that because we're not called to that but that's okay yeah but most of the circumstances, the negative ones, the ones that are disunifying, are a result of people not willing to have those kind of conversations yeah. and not wanting to wrestle through it. And then really the spirit is a spirit of disunity. It's not yeah. a spirit of unity, which I would suggest, and I'd love to have this long conversation with everybody, that Paul's primary perspective, his primary charge to the church, the New Testament church, more than Anything any of his theological else. perspectives, more than his theology of justification by faith, which was so important, more than that was his call to unity, unity. as the body of Christ. That's what he called us to. He said, that's how people will know that love is in your midst. That's how people will worship God when they see that you guys are unified, even in spite of your differences. And, and unity takes conversation. Unity takes community. Unity takes wrestling through things. Unity takes work. But it's it necessary work, yeah. Yeah, and and it is a goal. It is the goal. It is it. It's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to go there actually. Uh, I'm so glad you brought it back to that because I I agree 100. I mean, that's why Paul risked Paul risked relationship very few times with people. Um, well, debatable, I guess. But yeah. But but with with Peter, he was willing to risk his relationship with Peter to reestablish unity because Peter was being racist, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you see in, in 2 Corinthians, um, it's a, it's a, you'll have to do hermeneutics to see if I'm right, but, uh, uh, but uh, in 2 Corinthians, he, he, you see him saying, I heard what you said about my former letter, mm. and I want to, I want to, extrapolate these ideas in a different way mm -hmm. to protect the unity that I have with you. Right. Right. And so he was not only willing to challenge people's theology yep. and, and execute proper hermeneutics, because that's important, mm -hmm. but he was also willing to receive that same criticism yeah. and have a conversation about those things. Yeah. And, and so he was saying, okay, maybe my first letter to you, the Corinthian church was a little harsh. Mm -hmm. I apologize for, he kind of says that he's like, I apologize that it hurt your feelings, mm. but, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I still believe those things. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so P Paul, Paul's a good, uh, a, a good theologian in that way. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say that just to kind of wrap th this up uh, for, for this week, we're next week we're going to get into a lot of really fun stuff, but um, that, that unity is so, so important, but, but to, to study the scriptures and, and be willing to commit the time and effort to study proper hermeneutics is so important because it actually uh, it, it actually gives us a platform to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. yeah. As soon as we start putting someone else's opinion above the actual source material, we're 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 upsetting the system that's supposed to purify and and help shape us into what God wanted us to be. Yeah. And you cannot do it. 
You cannot shape and, and mold yourself as a disciple or others, which is the only thing we're called to do. Mm-hmm. You can't do it if you're not willing to go to the source and wrestle through it on your own. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I would say in the context of the community, like a pro tip is the level of strength of the opinion you have about the meaning of a particular thing should equate to the level of work and the time you spent working on it. Yo. Right? I think, that, I think that's a healthy thing. And I think there's some yeah. people who, like there's people who I have conversations with who they've, they've spent the hours on that thing and I don't agree with them, but I spent the hours on that thing and you would listen to our conversation and think we hate each other. Yeah. We don't. We're passionate about something. We put in time to that. We care about it. It is important. Yeah. But it, the challenge is when you know, someone who's put a ton of time into something and someone who's put almost no time into yeah. something, Watch but the YouTube has video. as strong of an opinion about it, that's where you get some, it's hard because it's hard for someone who's done the work because you're just like, you just yeah. don't even know. And then it, then it creates this weird, awkward divide, right? There yeah. should be a level of respect. Like I say to people all the time, I say like, when it comes to money, like I'm going to have a pretty quiet voice because <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad at economics and I don't understand how all of it works. And right. And if there's an yeah. expert in the room, I'm going to submit to them. And if there's yeah. a smarter expert in the room and I think he is, I'll submit to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, and so, but, but we challenge you to everybody to push that limit yeah. and, 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 and take steps up in that and work at it so that you can have more, um, more, well, better opinions about things yeah. and be able to maybe be closer to the truth of something. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I was just thinking about when you were saying that the people who put in the work and this, and we just dis, like, we disagree on a lot of things. You yeah. and I even, yep. we, we were talking today about some things that we, we had very different perspectives on mm-hmm. and, but, but the, the thing is, is that if both parties have invested time into studying what they believe and articulate their position, we almost never have a problem with unity. No. Almost. I, I can't think of a single person of, of any background that I've actually had a theological issue with where I know that they put in the time and that I put in the time. I want to shout out my alma mater uh, Tyndale. Tyndale. Tyndale is a trans-denominational school here in Toronto. I wasn't planning on shouting them out, but yo, but, but the thing I loved about Tyndale when I went there is that my my philosophy professor had one persuasion, and yeah. my Christian doctrine professor had an opposing persuasion. Then my New Testament guy had a totally different perspective, and my Old Testament yeah. guy, I don't even know what his ideas were. Right? <laughs> like, but they, but they actually, they modeled yeah. that. They actually worked in unity. And, and these are the guys who are at the top of the game. These are the academics. These are the guys who with yeah. PhDs who are teaching the Bible right. students and the pastors. And they somehow were able to all teach at one school together, all for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right. If they can do that and they're the ones who are allowed to have a loud voice and opinion and probably yeah. I bet you the lunchroom there is, is a fascinating oh, place that to be. be really fun. Right. But if they can do that, then actually, I think we can too. To get, like the, the staff, the staff Christmas party. Right. Like a bunch right? of guys sitting around yeah. talking about the And they know what the other guys think. Right. They know what the other guys think. They're not yeah. schmucks. That'd so, yeah, I just think that's a beautiful picture of what maybe the local church can actually and maybe should actually look like. Yeah. If you're willing to do the work. Unity and diversity can coexist. Totally. If you're not willing to do the work, you're going to have problems. Yeah, you are. Yeah, and you're going to create problems for other people, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. It's, it's division. Okay, and well, hurt the mission of God. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. I I just wanted to, I I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I think this has been one this has been one of the, my favorite podcasts we've ever done. Yeah. Uh, I think next week is going to be even more fun. We're going to talk about some really practical tools. Practical so hopefully stuff. we've yeah. established that hermeneutics is not only important for you to 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 jump into to dive into, but next week we're going to give you some. 
uh, uh, really practical things that you can do um, right away to, to help improve your understanding of the scriptures, to, to enrich your pursuit of Jesus mm-hmm. and his mission, which is mm-hmm. our goal here, and, uh, and, and really to give you the tools to, to kind of have these, these conversations to really think through what you believe um, and, and what, uh, what the, the scripture says. Yep. Right? Yeah. Uh, so thanks for joining us. You guys can uh, please like, comment, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we want to hear from you. We don't get very many emails. In we fact, don't. we've nope. gotten exactly... Zero. If you emailed us with something, we'll probably actually cover it. We will 100% cover it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I don't know. I, I'm not afraid. We're here to have honest and authentic conversations we'll around Jesus' mission. We'll shout it as long out, as it's not like something that's outside of like anyway. what would be on here. You know, I'm like, like yes. sandwiches. And I do want to say, I want to say, <laughs> we talked about meaning. We talked about that. We, to, next week, we will talk also about application because what it means for you matters, actually. It does. And what we, we don't want to say it doesn't matter. It actually matters more in the respect that it matters how it actually applies to your life and how you live it out. If it so we'll get there. Yes. We don't want to say that doesn't matter because it does, right? Ultimately, how you live is the most important part of getting a proper interpretation. So we will get to the application. Yeah, piece. it's going to be really fun. Yeah. So join us next week. Uh, and uh, yeah, love you guys. We're hoping to that you'll tune in next time Thanks to for doing the this Renew with me, Church Podcast. Renew Church Podcast. We'll see you.